Charles Spurgeon once wrote, Next to the Bible, the book that I value most is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I believe I have read it through at least a hundred times. It is a volume of which I never seem to tire, and the secret of its freshness is that it is so largely compiled from the scriptures. It is really biblical teaching put in the form of a simple yet very striking allegory. Now, interestingly, Spurgeon's fondness for the Pilgrim's Progress was not unique. John Bunyan's masterpiece is second only to the Bible as the most printed and translated book of all time. Indeed, many poorer families throughout the years uh, that could afford very few books in their homes would make certain that they at least owned a family Bible and a copy of the Pilgrim's Progress. Sadly, few Christians today seem to have read the book, and many have virtually no knowledge of its former popular estimation. Now, of course, just because a book was once highly valued does not mean that it deserves to be valued again. So in medieval Christianity, Peter Lombard's Sentences was a foundational work of theology that all masters of theology were required to write their own commentary upon. But it has since been rightfully replaced by the many greater works of systematic theology that it helped to inspire. But even so, I do not think that that is the case with The Pilgrim's Progress. While I have not met many believers who have actually read this book, almost all the ones that have read it also consider it to be one of their favorite books of all time. And my daughter also continues to be enraptured with Bunyan's allegory via the children's adaptations, The Little Pilgrim's Big Journey, Parts 1 and 2. <laughs> While I know that's all anecdotal evidence, I'm nonetheless convinced that it is not yet time to let the Pilgrim's Progress slip away from our collective memory. John Bunyan was a Puritan preacher who was of the same generation as the two other Puritans that we have done some reading together on, John Owen and Thomas Watson. However, unlike many of the other Puritans, Bunyan was not highly educated being the son of a poor tinker. And in fact, Bunyan wrote about himself saying, But yet, notwithstanding the meanness and inconsiderableness of my parents, it pleased God to put it into their hearts to put me to school, to learn both to read and write, the which I also attained according to the rate of other poor men's children, though to my shame I confess I did soon lose that little I learned." and that even almost utterly, and that long before the Lord did work his gracious work of conversion upon my soul. Right? So Bunyan was was very fortunate, uh, very blessed and favored by God that he learned to read and write at all. And yet, despite Bunyan's lack of education, John Owen, who if you remember, uh, when we read through The Mortification of Sin, uh, Owen was such an academic that Latin was basically his first language. He's often cited as saying that he would gladly exchange all of his learning for Bunyan's power of touching men's hearts. And following his conversion, which the removal of Christian's burden at the place of deliverance uh, in the Pilgrim's Progress is a fitting image of Bunyan's actual conversion, Bunyan's great passion was indeed to touch the hearts of others with the liberating power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, unfortunately, Bunyan's passion for preaching got him into trouble with the law since he preached outside the Church of England. So he was arrested in 1660 and was told 
that he could go free so long as he ceased preaching. To which Bunyan replied, If I am freed today, I will preach tomorrow. <laughs> so thus, for twelve long years, Bunyan sat in prison, able to leave at any moment so long as he agreed to forsake preaching the Bible. And yet, as his wife Elizabeth once told his judges, quote, He dares not leave off preaching as long as he can speak. End quote. Bunyan was finally released from prison in 1672 and was made pastor of a congregation in Bedford until his death in 1688. Now, he was arrested again in the winter of 1675 and was released the following spring. So it was during that second imprisonment that Bunyan most likely wrote the first part of the Pilgrim's Progress, which was first published in 1678. Bunyan apparently began his work on what would become the Pilgrim's Progress by intending to write a book that simply explained how the Christian life is like a pilgrimage. Yet, soon he, quote, fell suddenly into an allegory, end quote. <clears throat> and he began to conceive images of a story. And so soon he began to write not a didactic teaching, but a story. So rather than writing things like, Christians are like pilgrims because... He wrote down a story of a man named Christian who was on a pilgrimage from the city of destruction to the celestial city and of all the joys and the trials that he meets along the way. You see, Bunyan introduced his book with an apology in poetic verse. Now, of course, he wasn't apologizing for his book in the sense that we think of it today, that is, being remorseful. Instead, he was offering up a defense for his book, which is the, 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 the original meaning of the word apology, where we get apologetics from, the defense of our faith, right? And he was, so he was defending the book and his decision to write the book in the form of a story, which he feared that many would dismiss as being childish, right? Bunyan, however, was ahead of his time in understanding the power of story to ingrain truths within our hearts that simple and direct teaching is often unable to do. So listen to these lines from his opening poem that he says, Wouldest thou see a truth within a fable? Art thou forgetful? Wouldest thou remember from New Year's Day to the, la to the last of December? Then read my fancies. They will stick like burrs. Now, while some still have at least a passing familiarity with part one, fewer still have ever read part two, which was first published in 1684. Part two tells the story of Christian's wife, Christiana, and his children making their way to the celestial city. While the scenes and story of part one is unforgettable and timeless, part two makes the allegory much more balanced in its portrayal of the Christian life. See, much of Bunyan's own tumultuous life and testimony can be seen in part one, and yet part two describes the often subtler work of grace in believers, as well as the importance of community throughout our journey. Our plan, therefore, is to read both parts of the Pilgrim's Progress, although we will likely begin part two in the fall, probably sometime around September. So the edition that I will be referencing throughout our reading is produced by The Banner of Truth, which is a lovely little hardcover containing both parts, 14 illustrations, and scripture references in the margins. 
Now, of course, given that the narrative of the story follows the pilgrims along their path, readers should be able to follow along using any edition via the stages of the journey that we will be discussing each week. So you can find the full week-by-week reading plan uh, where below in wherever you are listening to this podcast on and we will begin uh, our first discussion over the uh, the first cup the first section of this story uh, the week of April 24th through the 30th and so until then grace and peace